Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. Amazing. That was a great intro. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Oh, I'm, yep, I'm excited. Guys, God has got a good word for us tonight. That's crazy. When he said that, I was like, Emily Walters, I was like, this is the last time I'm speaking at Crux before we get married. So this is my last time being announced as Emily Walters. That's so weird. Hey, don't be knocking my maiden name. Don't be knocking my maiden name. I love my last name. Giving up my last name is a little bit of a thing. So it's, it's a little hard. Anyways, that's okay. It's cool. I'm excited. I'm super excited. Awesome. Okay. Well, as you guys know, we've been in the summer of freedom, right? We've been, how about you guys? Have you guys enjoyed the summer of freedom series we did this year? Last year was summer of love. This year's summer of freedom. Uh, So Pastor Taylor wrapped that up last week, and we've got a couple of weeks kind of in between. We launch into our next series. And so he said, you can do kind of whatever you feel like God tells you to do. So I'm really excited because I've been praying about this for a while. Uh, and so the message title is Hold On to Hope because I just, it's like wow. I, the song, like the Take Courage song that uh, Christine DeMarco does, that I've literally been hearing that, that phrase, like, hold on to hope as your triumphs unfold. He's never failing over and over and over and over again for like weeks now. And I was like, okay, Lord, what is it you're trying to speak? So uh, he's got some stuff he's been speaking. I'm super excited to share it. Um, so yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm going to pray. So God, we just thank you so much for this word tonight. God, I thank you for what it is you're doing, what it is you want to just share, God, what you've been stirring up. I just pray that this would be something that resonates with all of us, God. I just pray that it would be something that really um, hits home with all of us. And I pray that it's something that we would take, like the different areas that this, like holding on to hope, the different areas that this is going to apply to our lives, that we would really take it and grab a hold of it and see what it is you're, you're wanting us to, to realize. So we just thank you, Jesus, and we just uh, welcome your presence. We thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so I felt like this was timely, and when, when Yard, Yard sent me a message today, she's like, this is a timely word. I was like, praise the Lord, because I wasn't sure, but I felt like it was. With just that, like, we're getting, it's getting ready to go back to school, and it's like that season where everyone kind of goes back into routine, you know, like parents are all over Facebook, like, yay, kids are back in school, back to routine. But I feel like for people in the college age group, kind of our age group in the late teens, early to mid-20s, that it can sometimes be discouraging because we feel like we're just going back to this other thing that's like supposed to get us somewhere and we're not there yet and we just want to be there. And I think that so many times we get distracted and discouraged in the midst of waiting, in the midst of the process to get us to our dreams, to get us to our destiny, to get us to this thing that we want to do that is so great. And the thing is, is we have to hold on to hope in the midst of those moments in order for us to get and to persevere through that time. And I think that so often, because I do this all the time, is we lose sight of God's promises because they don't happen how or when or exactly what we want them to be, right? Like, like I know that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be in my job, but it's not God's ultimate promise for me, and I'm constantly like, I'm going to be stuck here forever. I'm going to be dealing with angry people over bread bowls for the rest of my life. Like, dude. <laughs> No, like God has such great promises for me and I have to remember to hold on to hope. And in the midst of going back to school and papers, you're like, I don't want to do another paper. Okay, well, hold on to hope in the midst of doing another paper and know that God is going to fulfill that promise. Um, 
it's so easy to get lost in the day-to-day and feel like it's never going to happen. But that's exactly what the enemy wants. The enemy wants us to completely lose sight of God's promise and get so distracted by what's happening right now that we lose the inability to, like, realize that there's more than just the right now. And, like, don't get me wrong, it's super important to stay present. Like, way too much of our generation spends time on social media not being, like, present in the moment. But there's also times where we get, like, stuck in our mentality and thinking we're never going to push past this. We're never going to accomplish all these things. And we have to remember that we can and we will and God's more than capable and God has promised that. And we have to look past the, what's immediately right in front of us. The thing is, is the Bible is, is filled with proof from the first page to the end page that God fulfills his promises. And, like, the easiest one is Jesus. Like, God promised salvation, and he promised an answer, and he did it. And we have an answer to our problems. Like, the easiest, the biggest one is Jesus. And there's so many countless promises that God has done from beginning to end where people um, cry out. They ask God, when are you going to come through? When is it going to happen? And he always does. It might not be exactly like what we think or what we want, but every time he comes through and he's faithful. And I think that sometimes we forget that already God has come through in our promises, right? I'm sure all of us can look back and see the things that God has already done, things that God has already accomplished. But why do we think that he won't do it again? I think that so often we're like, yay, he did this, or we get through this thing, we're like, oh, yay, awesome. But it's not that thing, or it's not the next one, and we totally lose sight of the promises and things that God has already done in the midst of it. And I think the other thing is that, what? Oh, I thought you were like, sorry, sorry. Um, (laughs) Something else that I think really discourages us too, and I kind of want to identify some of these things and we're going to talk about like overcoming it and holding on to hope. But I think another one that really discourages us too is we see people around us receiving their promises and getting their accomplishments. And we think like, what the heck? Why is that not happening for me? What's wrong with me? Oh, that must be for them. God's good for them, but God's not good for me. And the thing is that is 100% a lie. Just because it's someone else's time doesn't mean it's never going to be your time, okay? It's going to be your time in God's time. But just because, like, that's, to be honest, like, it's an orphan mentality. Like, just to call it out. Like, us thinking that because someone else gets what they deserve doesn't, like, that it takes away from us getting what we deserve. And that's not true. It's just somebody else's accomplishment. Like, I I read um, in the, I don't remember. Oh, it's in, oh, my gosh, what's the book called? What's Prince Prince and Popper Mentality? It's a Chris Valentin book. Somebody help me out. We read it in Jules. Supernatural Ways of Royalty. Thank you. He has this whole, like, a whole bunch on it. And one of the things he says is, like, when someone else gets a promotion, let's say you get a promotion at work and someone else gets a promotion and you get jealous, it has nothing to do, it doesn't take away from your promotion. It doesn't take away from what's happening for you. It just means that someone else is also getting the same thing or someone else is also getting to live a part of their dream. And I think that we get distracted by that right we think that oh my gosh like you know this is happening for that person or this is happening for this person when's it going to be my turn all this stuff but it's like we should celebrate with those people in those moments and know that like when our time comes it's like i'm going to live it up when it's my time to graduate or when it's my turn to get married or when it's my turn to move or when it's my turn to do this or that or whatever like the thing is is the time comes and it's super hard like do you guys have any idea how many weddings I have been to? I averaged like at least six a year for the last like six years. I'm not even kidding you. And so it's like, and anyways, wedding planning's not all that fun. Anyways, that's a whole other story for another day. Yes, yeah, it's just a lot. So anyways, um, 
So the definition of hope is confident trust with the expectation of fulfillment. Hey. I'm just going to say that again. Confident trust with the expectation of fulfillment. So when we say we're hoping, when we say we're believing, that means that we're confidently trusting that something is going to come. And Proverbs 13:12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. So when we lose hope in him and his plan and his promise, we can literally make ourselves sick. We, we make it hard on our heart. When we lose hope and we lose sight of the fact that God is going to fulfill his promise, when we lose sight of hope, we, can, we, like, we lose it, right? Like we feel deflated. We lose like the wind in our sails. But the thing is, is when a dream fulfilled is a tree of life, but even believing and trusting that God is going to fulfill those promises or knowing that God has already fulfilled promises, it sustains us. And we don't just survive, but we can thrive in the midst of those moments. Um, Romans 15, 13. I'm probably going to say this one a couple times because I feel like there's, on, there's something on it. But Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you with complete fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the holy spirit and that one struck me so good because for some reason i didn't i never like processed the fact that it says i pray that god comma the source of hope comma and then the sentence continues i was like oh my gosh that's right god is the source of hope Oh my goodness, so when I'm saying hold on to hope, I'm saying hold on to God. That makes way more sense. That makes it so much easier. Like, what is hope? How do I find hope? I don't know, let me find God, and then I'm going to find hope. Like, that just means hold on to God, grasp God, go after God, ask God for who he is, what are his promises, what is he saying, hold on to that, and then... I'll be filled with joy and peace because I'm trusting in him. I'm holding on to hope. I'm holding on to God. And then we will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. When we grasp onto God, when we go on to God and say, God, I'm going to trust you with everything. I'm going to overflow with confident hope for the power of the Holy Spirit and trusting in you that whatever is to come, that whatever you have promised me is going to happen, no matter how hard it gets. No matter how tough the situation is, no matter where I'm going, no matter what I'm doing, God, I'm going to trust that you are going to fulfill your promise. And in, I think, one of the best examples in the Bible of waiting to see a promise fulfilled is King David. And I have spent, like, the last week reading through most of 1 Samuel and the beginning of 2 Samuel. And I'm, like, completely in awe of King David. Like, I don't know why. I, like, I don't know if it's, like, a new revelation from the Lord or I just never spent enough time reading about King David. But my goodness, that man's ability to sustain through everything that was thrown at him before he even became king is incredible. And I have to say that, like, who David was in the waiting made him able to steward the promise. Who he was as a leader, who he was as a friend, who he was as a son, and who he was in his heart with the Lord made him able to wait and sustain. And when that promise came, it made him be able to live in the fullness of that promise. And I think that we think that our waiting is just this waiting season, and then when we get there, it's going to be great. But if we don't steward ourselves right now while we wait for whatever it is God has, we are not going to be able to hold on to when that actually comes. So whether that means if you're waiting for the right relationship, you want the right person, be the right person yourself right now. So when they come, you're worthy of somebody with the caliber you want. Or if you want, like I always, I always use Dr. Yard as an example, so I'm just going to stick to that. 
Young Dr. Yar becoming wants to become a doctor, right? She has to train and steward herself now so that when the time comes to be a doctor, she can be a doctor, right? Like that's such a that to me is just such a basic example. I have a good friend of mine who's actually in med school to become a doctor right now and <coughs> excuse me. And we were just talking about the amount of studying that he has to do and like he was, he was just saying that. He's like, well, I have to know everything. Like, I have to know it all and have worked in all of the different areas in order to even be qualified to be a doctor. And I just thought that that was like, and it's hard because he has to go and all these, work in the different areas he doesn't want to work in because he wants to specialize in one area. But you still have to be able to have a general understanding and knowledge of it all in order to get to that point. Um, and, it's, and it's that way just kind of in general. If you guys want to be whatever it is you're going to school for, if you want to be... Uh, psychiatrist or a, a counselor or a teacher you have to go through all of the steps in order to be able to handle the responsibility of, of the promise and of your dream and I think that that's another thing is we think that it's just going to be this great and thing when I get there then everything's going to be okay or when I get there I'm going to do this when I get there I'm going to do that you know we even do that with our health can I just like throw a little health thing in there for a minute like we do that like we do that and this is like not anything I was planning because it was totally random but like we think oh next month I'm gonna be healthy or like I'm gonna wait until this comes and then I'm gonna eat right or I'm gonna work out next Monday or I'm gonna work out next Monday you know what I mean like oh I'm gonna start my diet next Sunday it's the same thing like we have to steward it now if we ever want to be healthy like I want to be a grandparent I want to live to 105 Oh, but you know what? I'm going to go get a Big Mac every single day this week. Mm, I don't think you're going to be 105, okay? Just saying. It's possible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just saying. We've got to steward our health, too. That was just, that's free. That one's free for you, as Pastor Daniel would say. So, um, I like going back to King David. Um, if you guys have not taken time to read through, like, Samuel, do it. Seriously, do it. It's so crazy. And some of those, like, the stories that I'm not really going to get into are crazy. Like, I texted Dominic the other day or called him or something, and I was like, did this actually happen? And I was like, did this, is this what this thinks is, I think this means? And he's like, yes, it is. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, you'll know when you read I'm not gonna. I'm not going to say it right now. But like, it, was just, it was just crazy. I was like, dude, David is gnarly. Like, King David was so gnarly. <laughs> Seriously. Okay, so here's the thing, though. So let's talk a little bit about David's life. Let's use David's life as an example of why we need to hold on to hope. Let's look at what David did through his waiting process to get there. So he got anointed by the prophet Samuel at a young age. Um, and he actually, I didn't realize this. I don't, I don't know why I didn't realize this. I, I don't know if this was like a gap in Sunday school or what. I didn't realize that he actually went and worked for the king. He actually went and worked for Saul and was a servant underneath Saul for a number of years. He was a heart player and uh, and was like his servant, was like what promoted, like and was like the head of guards and manservants and stuff and married Saul's daughter. And what's crazy to me is that David knew he was anointed to become king. He knew that that was his promise. That he'd been anointed at a young age as a young boy when, when uh, Samuel anointed him and said, you will be king of Israel. Yet David was humble enough to submit himself and work as a servant under the king of the man he knew he was going to replace. Of the man that he knew was it was supposed to be his seat. Because God because Saul had disobeyed God, so God had removed his anointing off of Saul. And it was rightfully David. But David served underneath King Saul 
as his servant and served him, literally served him. Isn't that crazy? Like, if we think, I want to, like, I don't know, I'm sure we all have things where we think, okay, this is an area, whether it's like in the church or whether it's in your workplace or whatever, and we want to be in this position, we want to accomplish these things. But what about getting low and serving somewhere first and learning some of the ropes? I'm sure that David, like, you know, King Saul didn't have the best attitude, you know, when David was underneath him. But I'm sure there were things that David learned from Saul, even if it was what not to do as king. You know, I'm sure that he had his ears and his eyes open, like, what not to do. And, like, that's incredible. What, uh, like, what humility. Another thing I thought was really cool is um, when he goes to fight Goliath, and this is before he's anointed as, right, David? He, he fought Goliath before he was anointed, is that correct? Okay. No? He, did, he was anointed first? Okay. I was confused by that. Sorry. Apologize. Uh, I'm not as, um, okay. So what I thought was really cool was in 1 Samuel 17, 37, he like says he's going to, he goes up to Saul and says he wants to fight Goliath or however that works. And they like laugh at him and they scoff at him. And he says, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. So he remembered, remember what I said earlier, is that when he faced the giant, he held on to the promises of overcoming past giants. So if we remember what God has done, if we remember what like we have accomplished and the things that we have done, what God has promised us beforehand, when it comes time to fight something else, we can hold on to the hope and the promises of God you fulfilled here, God you provided here, God you provided on my mission trip, of course you're going to provide groceries for me when I come home. Like if God has fulfilled here and here and here, how can I not believe and trust and hold on to hope that God is going to come through again. Something else I just kind of want to throw this little nugget in here is in when he they say, okay, you, you can fight him. And Saul gives him his armor and it didn't fit him. He couldn't move and David could not move in Saul's armor because he was too small. So he takes, he takes it off and chooses not to. The thing is, is, but that was his destiny and part of what God had called him to do is defeat Goliath. If we try to be somebody else to conquer our destiny, it's not going to work out. God doesn't need someone else to conquer your destiny. He just needs you to be you to do it. You don't need to try to be somebody else. You don't need to try to fit into somebody else's shoes. I think that's another thing that we do, right? That's another thing we do is we think that I need, if I want to be a speaker, I need to speak like that person. If I want to be a teacher, I need to teach like that person. Or I need to walk in this person's shoes. I need to do things like this person because they're successful. No, like, that's awesome, and you can, like, take tips, but God needs you to be you because he created you uniquely you to be you so that you could do exactly what you are called to do, right? There's a lot of yous. Seriously, though, like, I know when I first became a GM, I had, I would, like, just had all these different, like, issues that were coming up in the beginning, and I realized part of the battles because I was trying to be, like, all the other GMs before me and do what, like, my old boss, what Chris did, and try and do what not what this person did, and do what this other person did, instead of just trying to be me. And so these battles that I was facing, I'm like, why did this work for him, but it's not working for me? Well, because that was him. And I'm me, and I need to do, be a GM the way God has called me to be a GM, yeah. not the way God has called someone else to manage. Yeah, right. and, and it was so much more successful, because I didn't feel like I was trying to do something I didn't know how to do. Instead, I just managed the way I knew how to manage, and the way I knew, I knew how to be, and, like, it's not perfect, and there's going to always be issues, but it worked way better because it was me. It wasn't me trying to fit in the shoes of somebody else because that wasn't the right fit. Hmm. Are we here? Are we still awake? Yeah. We good? Yes. Cool. I'm kind of like, I feel like I'm a little bit all over the place, but so this next part that I really loved um, 
is, so when, so Saul, like, tries to kill David, right? We all know that Saul went after David and tried to kill him. Um, and so when he finally runs, this is something I thought was so cool. So, so David kind of been fight whatever, back and forth. He finally runs, and verse Samuel, first Samuel 20, <coughs> excuse me, 22, 1 through 2 says, So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all his other relatives joined him there. Then others began coming, men who were in trouble or in debt or were just discontented, until David was the captain of 400 men. In the midst of waiting, God still provides opportunities for you to function in your dream and in your purpose. In the midst of David running away, God sent him 400 men to like lead. And the people who needed help, he sent him support and he sent him help. The other thing is that we have to remember to look around us when we're in the midst of needing to find hope. What are we supposed to be doing? Where is an outlet for me to fill out my purpose? If you feel like you're called to be a leader, step up and find an avenue to lead. If you feel like you're supposed to be an artist, find an avenue to let out your art and to show people your art. Whatever it is that you're called to do, whatever it is that, that is your thing, find an outlet for it. And the other thing is that God is going to provide an outlet for it. You just sometimes have to look for it. I think that we get narrow-minded and we think that God has to function within our box. And we say, oh, God's not in a box, but he needs to work like this. Like, this is how my brain thinks, so this is what I say God needs to do. And if we stop and, like, take a step back and look at the room and go, okay, this is what I think God should do in this space. But, oh, my gosh, look at what God's doing over here. He is giving me an outlet for this. Or he is showing me and reminding me of his promise here. It's just not exactly what I think it should be. And he gave David an outlet, gave it... David's support, he gave him an opportunity to lead, and he provided the people and support that he needed in the midst of that, even though he wasn't fully in what he was called to do. The last kind of main thing that I felt like God wanted us to wanted to share tonight was this, was that David multiple times had opportunities to kill Saul and take the crown, and he chose not to. Twice, specifically, um, where First Samuel 24 and First Samuel 26, where he, like one, he come, came into a cave. The other one, I don't remember exactly what it was that happened, but he had opportunity, or they snuck into the camp, is what they did. And, um, thank you. And they, his men said, kill him and take the crown. Like, this is your right. This is, you are rightfully to be king of Israel. Like, this is rightfully your position to take. Take it. Twice he had the opportunity of Saul laid on a platter in front of him. And David rebuked the people telling him, so this is not my time, I will not kill God's anointed one. Both times, and he had it completely laid out in front of him. David knew the difference between the fake way, the devil's way, to get his promise, and actually waiting on God to say, now is your time. Because fake things are going to come our way that look like God's promise, but are not actually God's promise. Right? I think that we can look and you're like, whoa, that door opened. And that's not it. That will open way too easy. What's up with that? And taking the time to learn how to pray and say, God, what are you? Is this you? God, is this actually you? Or is this something that like looks like you, but it's not? And the enemy wants to trick us, right? Because he wants us to take a shortcut. He wants us to skip all the things that God wants to teach us and to learn to get into this like our promise and our dream, we want to get there the fast way. So much of our generation too, we're like that quick fix generation, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. But like, what about waiting for God's actual timing? Mm. Waiting for the right thing, waiting for the right person, waiting for the right job, waiting for the right opportunity because God is going to provide it. And we lose patience. So often we lose say, you know what? 
I, God's not gonna bring that person. God's not gonna bring my spouse. God's not gonna bring them. So I'm just gonna go, oh, that person's cute and they love God, okay. And then it doesn't end well, okay. Okay, and on to the next person, and on to the next person. And it happens over and over and over and over again. Seriously, it does. But then when we actually decide to wait, I'm just gonna tell you right now, I waited from the last person I dated till dating Dominic, I waited over seven years. And I would do it three times over if I had to because it's worth it. And it was hard. Like, it was hard, guys. I understand waiting is really hard. You're like, oh, you're on the other side. You can say that. No, I get it. Do you know how many times I cried? How many times I yelled at God? How many times I thought I found the right person and then I didn't? And then I was like, now I'm an idiot because I was so not the right person. Actually finding the right person and waiting for them like God has promised is beyond worth it. And when you're there, you're going to say, I'm so glad I didn't ruin God's promise before he gave it to me. <laughs> I'm saying that because I know that there are single people in the room who like are like, okay, I, yes, this is hard. And I'm not like ready. You know what I mean? But I'm telling you right now, steward what God has in front of you. Wait for what God has for you. And when the right time comes, you'll know it. And you'll be so glad you steward it the right way. And I didn't always steward it the right way. Before, that was a whole other story, and that's a pre-Jesus moment, and that's a testimony. But if I could go back and change all of that, I would. Because the healing I've had to walk through and the things that I've had to change, like, it's not worth it. Like, it wasn't worth it. Like, the hardship, the heartbreak that I brought myself because I chose not to wait for God, and I tried to figure it all out myself before God, before I finally got a clue and said, okay, now I'm going to wait. Now that I've given myself heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak, if I could go back and change all of that, I'd do that in, in two seconds because of knowing that what God has is actually worth waiting for. And that's that way in anything. It's that way in your job. It's that way in your personal life. It's that way in whatever big dream. If you want to go live in missions and you want to go live across the world, like, I want that too. But waiting for the exact right opportunity for God to bring that is so important because if it's not the right opportunity, it's, it's going to be way harder. There's not going to be as much grace. It doesn't mean that God's not going to bless it. It doesn't mean that God's not going to bless the options that you choose. But waiting for God's right option and holding on to hope in the midst of that is going to make it all worthwhile. However long it takes. However long it takes. I have so many dreams that I still want to be fulfilled. The dreams that I prayed for for so long. But I'm like, okay, God, if you are good and you're faithful to fulfill all of these promises that you've already, I've already seen you fulfill, then that means that they're so much greater than anything I can add. Like the Bible says that, like is greater than anything we can ask, think, or imagine. Like he's so much more than we even know. So why not hold on to hope? Why not hold on to the promises of the Bible? Why not hold on to the promises of God and know that he is going to be so much better? Because guys, he is. Like he is so much better he is always so much better than we think he is. He is always so much better than we think he is in everything. Like, how many times have we have any of us done that, right? Something happened, we think, like, oh, my gosh, God, how did I ever, how did I ever doubt you? You're so good. And then we do it again. God, how did I ever doubt you? You're so good. I do that all the time. I did that today. I text him. I'm like, God is so good. He's like, I know. I was like, well, I learned it again because I have, apparently have to relearn that again. Like, he's always so good. Always. Always. I want to read a couple of verses that have to do with hope because I feel like we just need to remember these. This, is a, this one actually made me laugh out loud in Starbucks today, so that was really fun. So this is Psalms 119, 73, and 74 in the New Living. It says, You made me, you created me. 
Now give me the sense to follow your commands. May all who fear you find in me a cause for joy, for I have put my hope in your word. I was like, oh, why didn't someone send this to me eight years ago, man? If I had just put some sense in me and listened to God's word the first time around. Didn't, I'm sorry? You want me to repeat it? Oh, Psalms 119, 73 to 74. Yeah, totally. Sorry. Psalms 119, 49 and 50, it says, Remember your promise to me. It is my only hope. Your promise revives me. It comforts me in all my troubles. And that's the thing, too, is that we can hold on to those words. We can hold on to those promises, those things that God has given as part of that hope, as part of those promise. Because we know, okay, God, your word says that you fulfill all of your promises. God, your word tells me that you are faithful to come through every single time I need you to come through. So if that means in the midst of a hard situation and I don't know how it's going to overcome, maybe somebody's sick, maybe you're dealing with something personal in your family, I don't know what it is. These are more than just this. This word hold on to hope like trusting in god is more than just dreams and promises that's just kind of the general direction i'm talking about but it could be if somebody's sick or maybe you have a hard situation with a family member or whatever it is we can hold on to the promise the bible says that they're like that god sets the lonely in family so god's going to bring you to a right family god promises like family connection his heart is family so that means that there's going to be connection there that means that god is faithful to bring the sons and the fathers back together and the mothers and the daughters back together like the word says that so that means god promises that so we can hold on to the promises of the word we can hold on to the promises that we feel like god has spoken into our lives and know that he's going to be faithful psalms 42 5 to 8 says why am i discouraged why is my heart so sad i will put my hope in god I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you, even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan from the land of Mount Mazar. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours out his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Thank you, God. Proverbs 10.24, the fears of the wicked will be fulfilled, but the hopes of the godly will be granted. Romans 15.4, the, pre, the pre-verses before this in, in Romans end of 14, beginning of 15, are talking about different things the scripture says. So Romans 15.4 says, such things were written in scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait pr- patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. That's one of those like little underlined ones that you don't, we don't always remember that we have to sometimes be patient for whatever that is to be fulfilled. And so how quick little like tidbits of this is how we do this and then we're going to kind of pray a little bit. Um, so one thing like is to say when we, when we things are presented in front of us we always ask the Lord, like, God, is this you? God, what is your timing in this? And, and maybe he's not going to answer. Maybe he's going to say later. Maybe he's going he's gonna to tell you. I don't know. I don't, that's between you and the Lord. But I think so important to keep in communication with God. So, so how do we keep hope? Here's a couple of things how we're going to keep hope. Number one is stay in communication with God. Because even if you feel like God's not saying anything to you, it's not going to do any harm to, like, continue to tell him about what you want. 
continue to speak and pray and believe and say, God, I'm waiting for this promise. God, remember this. Remember that you told me this. And even speak it out and declare it. There's power. Like, take every thought captive. And just like we need to take every thought captive, we also need to be strong to speak out those things and believe those things and pray these things over us. So staying in communication with God helps us keep hope. Staying in the Word helps us keep hope. Reading, going back and saying, this is what the Bible t- says that God is. This is how the Bible tells me that God is. Like, this is what God says This is what God says about himself. This is the promise of Jesus. This is the promise of salvation. This is the promise of restoration for my family. This is the promise of restoration, of household salvation. This is the promise of, of workplace salvation. This is the promise of dreams being fulfilled. This is the promise of healing. Staying in the word helps us keep hope. Stay in community. Staying around people. And when you're feeling down, reaching out and saying, I need support. I need help. I need hope. Staying in community is so big for this. Because the devil likes to isolate us. The devil likes to make us feel alone. He likes to make us think that nobody understands what we're battling. And I would say nine times out of ten, what you're battling, someone else is battling too. And you don't really know it until you come out and say it. Or you don't know that you have people that want to support you and love and believe in you unless you come out and say it. And you think that you're alone. You think you have to fight it by yourself. But once you stay in, staying in community, staying in people who love you, and even like letting people speak into your life helps you to hold on to hope. Another one is stay in accountability. Staying in accountability. Having somebody that helps keep you accountable. Hey, what are you doing to steward that dream? How are you stewarding your health? What are you doing to stay? <laughs> we should just form a little support group, guys. You know what I'm saying, right? Uh, no. Um, how are, do you have someone who's helping you stay accountable to staying in the word, to, to staying hopeful? You know, maybe you're somebody that battles anxiety and depression. Like, how are you? Do you have somebody that helps you walk through those moments when you're really feeling those things and helping you hold on to hope? Because you're not expected to do it by yourself. That's the importance of community and accountability. That's why God says he sets the lonely in families. God started from family. Everything that God does, it came with family. So it came with community, it came with people around us. God said it's not good for man to be alone. That also means that it, that doesn't just mean like husband and wife. That means like people. Amen. That means that we need like brothers and sisters in Christ. Like that means we need friends and people who can come around us and support us. Like, for example, I like really battle with a lot of anxiety and that's not something I really talk about because it's really really hard for me to talk about and the other week like there was a word David Knox actually had a word for it on Sunday a couple weeks ago and it was my first Sunday back to church in forever and Dominic's like you need to get prayer and I'm like mm, no no and he's like Lord Irvini like drags her over here and she's like what do you need prayer for and I'm like mm, mm, mm. and he's like say it and I and it was so like I can't even tell you how hard it was for me to even say it out loud like that like I'm battling anxiety that was so hard for me to admit just because of who I am and like I like to have it all together and be strong, and that's what my position, my job calls it everything. It's so hard for me to admit it out loud. But I cannot tell you, like, how much, like, even just having her support me, like, Dominic supports me, but it's, like, having Lauren come and pray for me, and then she, like, came back to me the next week and said, hey, how are you doing? Has this week been better? Has it not been better? Okay, then we're going to continue to pray for that. She's not here. I just looked. I know. I'm like, can, how are you doing with that, and how can I help you pray for that and continue to, like, cover you so that you can overcome this because you're not alone no one expects you to fight it by yourself and it's like i know all of these things in my head and i get that but having someone actually like say it to me was like 
oh yeah, that's right, I'm not alone. Like it's so important and, and like honestly, like it helped me so much to hold on to hope the last couple of weeks and being like, I'm gonna choose to overcome this and in the moments where I feel overcome, I'm gonna say, God, no, I choose to hold on to the hope that you say that I'm an overcomer, that you say be anxious for nothing and all the different things that come, I reach out, you know, and it, it helps us anyways. So good, come on, girl. The last thing um, is, is stay focused, hold on to hope, stay focused on Jesus. Yes. That when in doubt, stay focused on Jesus. It's serious. Like I remember one time that I've heard this actually in several different forms in different ways. Where I remember a long time ago when I first came to the church and Pastor Daniel was talking about I don't know just battling the enemy or whatever or something, and he was saying that even if you can't get anything out other than Jesus. Like, there's power in the name of Jesus. And if you're feeling overcome, you're feeling afraid, or you feel like you need to battle something, if only, even if the only thing you can get, it, get out is the word Jesus, there's power in that. Amen. And being able to stay focused on him and say, okay, in the midst what? Oh, okay. I was like, what's happening? Did I say something weird? Uh, is, and being able to, like, okay, seriously, though, like, almost like when a dancer turns and tell him spot on the wall, like, despite everything that's going on around you, you're like, okay, Jesus, okay. Jesus, okay, yeah. crazy life, Jesus, okay, Jesus, like over and over and over and over again, and whatever you do to help yourself stay focused on that, seriously, it changes everything, we go about our whole day reminding ourselves to stay focused on Jesus, it changes everything, good and bad, every situation, how are we doing, are we okay, Both. so, <laughs> you guys are awesome. So I want to suggest, um, yeah, I feel like I want to pray over you guys a little bit. I want us to take some time, kind of like between us and the Lord. I feel like maybe whether there's, maybe you need, maybe you already know exactly what area you need to hold on to hope in. Maybe you already know. Maybe you need to like ask God. God, is there an area I need to hold on to hope? Is there an area I need support in? I want us to take a minute to just kind of pray, and I want to pray over you guys. Uh, and then I want us to pray for each other. I want we have we're a little early. I want us to take about ten minutes to pray and pray for each other because because of exactly that that there's power in community. There's power in people helping you hold on to hope. You know, Jonathan was David's King David's armor bearer, and in the one in like he was the son of Saul, and he like promised himself to David to help him in everything. They were like, I don't know, soul brothers, blood brothers, whatever. I don't know. I don't know how else. To, I don't know exactly what the terminology is. Soul brothers, of course. <coughs> and there was one time, and I don't remember where it is. It's somewhere that in like, I don't know, it's right before he has to face Saul. I think he says, Jonathan went out in the field to David and reminded him to renew his faith in God. And then the next verse, and it doesn't even say what he said. It just says, Jonathan went to David, told him to remind his faith in God. And then the next verse says, and David was restored, and his faith was restored, and he held on to hope again. And, oh, it doesn't say hold on to hope, but he said his faith was restored. <laughs> and so I think, like, that's what I feel like God wants us to do right now, is I feel like God wants us to be able to support and pray for one another, because I think that we need to be reminded, and whatever our circumstances, whether it's it's job, destiny, family, relationship. I don't know what it is. I don't know what everyone's walking through. But I feel like it's important for us to take some time with the Lord. And then it's important to take some time with each other and give, have the opportunity to support each other in what it is we're walking through. Um, so, David, if we could have some, like, sweet music in the background, if we have that. No, we don't. That's okay. <laughs> okay, sorry. I didn't mean to. Anyways, 
So Jesus, um, yeah, we don't need we don't need music. Jesus, we just thank you so much for your goodness, God. God, we thank you so much that um, you're a fulfiller of promises. We thank you that you're a fulfiller of hope. And and God, I just ask that right now you begin to speak to each of us. And, and I want you to just take a moment and if you and ask the Lord, ask the Lord, say, God, what what is an area that I'm not holding on to hope in my life? Whether that's, I don't know, I feel like there's something on family, whether it's one person or a group of people, I don't know, I feel like there's people who are struggling with family stuff and not having hope for family, and I just, um, I just feel like God wants you to know that, like, there's hope for your family, there's hope for family restoration, there's the hope of, of God fixing whatever that is, I don't know if it's a broken relationship between you and a parent, or I don't know, I don't know what that is, but, um, God wants you to know that you can hold on to hope there. So just take a minute and ask God, where, what area do I need to hold on to hope in? Okay, and then, and then I want you to ask God, God, encourage me here. Show me where you've been faithful here. Encourage me in this moment. And God, all around the room right now, I just ask that you would speak to each of them. God, I ask that you would speak directly and speak hope into their souls, God. And I just declare in the room right now for faith to rise in Jesus' name, for hope to rise. God, that this wouldn't be a place of of feeling desolate and feeling broken, that this wouldn't be an area where we feel hopeless, but God, that you would let hope rise in the room right now in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that your faith would arise, that people would have faith for things that they didn't have faith for before because they know that you're faithful to fulfill your promises. I thank you, God, that we can hold on to hope that you are good. Thank you that you're good, God. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsandmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.